0: let's join together in the call to worship that's printed in the bulletin we come to worship god who has made us and knows us
1: we come to celebrate god's presence among us
0: we come to follow jesus who leads us to a new life we come
1: with joy knowing in christ we have eternal life
0: we come to listen to the holy spirit who calls us forth
1: may we enter this
0: Let us worship God. Let us pray. Holy God, living Savior, it is from you that we receive life, hope, and love. You work to unite heaven and earth with your compassion and understanding. We pray that you remove from us doubt and fear so that we may grow closer to you in unity and love. Help us know and delight in you as you know and delight in us. Keep us steadfast in our faith and bring us to see that you are always with us, holding us tenderly during our travails and also our joys. We feel the embrace of your love as we enter a time of silent prayer. Amen. Let's join together in the prayer preparation and confession Gracious and loving God, we confess that we have not lived a life conformed to Christ. You offer us the wisdom of your word, but we neglect our study of scripture. You are wise in your care for the world, but we think we know better. You call us to take up the cross and follow, but we want to forge our own paths. You offer your peace that is not as the world gives, but we are not content. We want security and guarantees. You give us the gift of your commandments, but we look for the loopholes and make our own world. Forgive us, Lord. Call us back to the life that you intend for us. We pray in the name of Jesus, amen. Friends, with joy, I declare to you that in Jesus Christ, God has forgiven you God has loved you, loves you now, and will love you always. This is
1: the good news
0: that brings us new life. Amen.
1: I invite you now to stand as you're able and to greet one another. Well, good morning again to everyone. I'm so glad you're here today in this beautiful place with these people, all of us here together in God's house. especially want to welcome the people who are joining us online on facebook live we're glad that you're with us here today as well if you're not in this place you're with us in this time of worship i'd invite those who are sitting in the center aisles in the pews to uh, the center of the aisle in the pews to take up the pew pad and a pen or a pencil and write down your name and any contact information you'd like to leave with us we would love to be in touch with you especially if you're a visitor a special welcome to you we'd like to let you know more about us, what we do, what we believe. And also, if you have any questions or prayer concerns, please let us know as well. That's a great way to let us know. There are prayer cards in the pews as well. A couple of announcements. Um, One is that uh, I think almost everybody is either on their way back from Malawi or is already here back from Malawi from the mission trip that has been going on for the last week or so. Michael Barber, our communications Guy Guru is back, and then the rest of them are coming back soon as well. So, thanks be to God for a, a wonderful mission trip and for a safe return. There are a number of announcements here written down, too. The, the next Hope Cafe, which is an opportunity for us to go down to City Team and to uh, uh, be waiters and waitresses and food servers for homeless people in a kind of a restaurant setting, which People who are on the street don't get that very often, and so it's a privilege for us to be able to go down there and to provide a good time of fellowship and food. That's happening on July the 13th. Grateful Gatherings, as you see, is having um, a gathering on August 24th. That is a way for us also to help people who are transitioning from homelessness to their new apartments to get the things that they need to get life going, again, furniture and and necessities as well. So you can contact Grateful Gatherings to be part of that. Uh, Children, as you see, will be in worship during the month of July in the sanctuary. And as I said, you can make prayer requests on the cards that are in the pews. There are also two prayer boxes, one underneath the archway uh, coming up from mountain to the courtyard and one by the elevator in the courtyard called prayer boxes. And um, every Sunday we want to, and during the week, give you an opportunity to write down prayer requests on those, prayer, on those cards, and then we collect them, we put them in this box here to remind us that we are in prayer as a church consistently and constantly for people, and then through the week uh, we have a prayer circle that prays as well every day. So please uh, take part in that prayer ministry as well.
0: Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, as we gather in this sacred space to worship you, we join in prayer with our sisters and brothers, not only in this church, but from all walks of life and countries throughout this world. Your love for us is more than we can see or fathom, yet we often try to shrink the mystery, tame the dream, limit what is possible, As we close our eyes in prayer, we ask you to remind us that the Spirit is always blowing new life into our days, surprising us with wonder and blessings. Forgive us for our dull awareness and hesitant witness. Help us follow your Son, Jesus Christ's example of self-giving love with our whole lives. Loving God, even as you know all there is to know about us, our deepest needs that we're aware of and those we can hardly imagine you still tell us to come to you in prayer so we do with humility and faith precious lord we are grateful for all the blessings you give us we know that you are always present to us in our concerns and our sorrows so we lift them up to you now You have taught us to be gentle when our inclination is to be harsh. You have shown us compassion and forgiveness when we are weak. We pray now in a moment of silence for those for whom we have special concern. Nurturing God, we lift to you today all whose memories are part of our lives. We pray this in the name of Jesus, who teaches us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth that is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil
1: for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever
0: amen
2: sultate Deo, eu Deo, sultate nostru, eu nostru. salmo metta te in jucundum cum citarra puti nate bucinate puti
1: scripture lesson today comes from the Gospel of Luke, the 17th chapter. It actually follows directly after the text that I preached on last Sunday, if you were here, the, the first um, 10 verses of chapter 17 in Luke. This is following on from that. Listen now for God's word to you today. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, Ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, were not ten made clean, but the other nine? Where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Gracious God, we pray that you will grant us the eyes to see and the ears to hear and the hearts and minds to understand your word and your world this day. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So somebody didn't say thank you to me the other day after I had just gone out of my way to help them out with something important. And you know what I did? I let it ruin my whole day. I felt sorry for myself because they didn't say thank you to me, even if now as I'm standing here today I realize that the whole thing was much ado about nothing. It was really not a big deal, but I let it get to me. Anyway, it's also ironic because at the very same time I was letting it get to me, I knew I was going to be preaching a sermon here today on the topic of gratitude. Kind of ironic. Anyway, so the gospel passage I just read has hit kind of home kind of close to home for me this past week. It really has had an impact on me. I hope it will as I go forward, too, and I hope it will for you also. As I said, it follows directly on the passage I preached on last week from the Gospel of Luke, and in that passage, Jesus says to his disciples, which which means you and me too today, he says to his disciples that we don't deserve any extra credit simply for doing what we are supposed to do. As Christians, we are supposed to do what Jesus, our Savior and Lord, tells us to do. So don't expect to get any thanks in return for doing what has to be done as a follower of Jesus. Now, when you put it like that, being a Christian doesn't sound like a whole lot of fun, does it? Not at all. Well, I hate to burst your bubble, but being a Christian isn't much fun a whole lot of the time anyway. It's not supposed to be, it's not meant to be, even if following Jesus can give you a great amount of joy and peace and a sense of solidarity and communion with other people and grace and healing and all the rest, you can get that. But being a Christian isn't necessarily going to be fun. doesn't mean it's never fun. I mean, in the story I just read, you know, it reminds you, reminds me that it's kind of nice for somebody to say thank you every once in a while when you do something nice for them, Right? For example, let's say, oh, I don't know, you heal somebody from leprosy. Wouldn't it be nice if they said thank you to you? So Jesus heals ten lepers, and only one of them comes back and gives thanks for being healed. What about the rest of them? They don't come back. And so all I can say is they're just a bunch of ingrates, you know? Just those kind of people. You know those kind of people, right? You do something for them and you get nothing in return. And so you can imagine the litany of excuses these lepers have for not saying thank you to Jesus. One leper waited to see if the cure was real. One waited to see if it would last. One said he'd come back later and thank Jesus. One just forgot. One was simply oblivious to social etiquette. One decided he'd never really had leprosy in the first place. One said he'd have eventually gotten better anyway. One complained he couldn't beg anymore in order to make a living. And one leper said, when asked about Jesus, any other rabbi could have done the same. You know how it goes. Now, to be fair to these other nine lepers who are healed, they did do exactly what Jesus told them to do. If you think about it in the text, they do exactly what he tells them to do. What does he tell them? He says, go and show yourselves to the priest. And that's what they do. Because the Bible is very clear that if you have any skin blemish at all, not just leprosy, I mean even acne, even acne, would mark you as, for some period of time, as unclean in the eyes and in the the understanding of the people around you, the Jewish people around you, because cleanliness was almost everything to them, being without blemish. So, if you have some sort of a skin blemish, especially, you are forbidden to interact with other people on a close basis, to, to any close basis, to get close to them. So what you have to do is, to reenter society, you have to go to a priest. The priest will uh, check you out, kind of like a first century dermatologist, I guess. But anyway, the priest would check you out to see what was going on. And if you were getting better, they would perform a series of purification rituals for you. And then, and only then, were you able to reenter society. So each of the ten lepers does what's required by the law, by the letter of the law. They go to the priest. But as we hear, only one of them comes back to say thank you. And that one is a Samaritan. He's a Samaritan, which is significant because 2,000 years ago, you probably know that Samaritans and Jews just did not get along at all. So when you hear the story of the Good Samaritan, that guy is not a Jew. He's a Samaritan, something different from being a Jew. So each side, the Samaritans and the Jews, thought the other side was already dirty and unclean enough as it was, whether or not they had leprosy. So to a Jew, it would be shocking for Jesus to to heal somebody who is doubly damned as both a Samaritan an unclean foreigner, as well as a leper with skin blemish, social outcast. Which may be, by the way, why the Samaritan is the one who comes back to say thank you. Because he himself was shocked that a Jew would ever reach out to him to heal him in the first place. This is unheard of. So, what about the other nine? Well, the truth is, we can speculate as much as we want, but we really don't know why they don't come back to say thank you. But here's the thing Jesus seems to know at least something of their predicament, of their circumstances, of being somebody who was a social outcast and now re entering society. Think about it that's not an easy transition. You've been out in the cold, and now you're re-entering society. So he knows, Jesus, he knows that in losing your old life and trying to navigate a new life, these other nine lepers, or all of them, all ten of them, are experiencing a complex mixture of emotions. Gratitude and grief. Joy and confusion. Faith and doubt, too. So here's the thing. He doesn't condemn them for not saying thank you. In fact, we don't hear that any of the nine supposedly ungrateful lepers deserves any of our scorn at all. Because the story isn't really about the social faux pas of not saying thank you. What it's about is how Jesus can heal you, no matter who you are, where you come from, what you've done, or even what you say. It's unconditional. It's unmerited. It's unexpected, his healing. And once you realize, once you realize that, that, that amazing grace has come to you that you let it sink deep down into your soul, then thanksgiving becomes a natural response. Eugene Peterson um, wrote a number of books about his life as a pastor in various churches. He just passed away a couple of years ago. Eugene Peterson wrote about one young man in one of his congregations. His name was Johnny Bergman. And Johnny... You know, and his wife were enthusiastic participants. They would show up in church all the time, but then, as he writes, the weeds of worldly care choked their young faith. They acquired children, along with the obligation to drive them to various sporting events and dance recitals, etc. They became suddenly wealthy, and their lives filled up with vacations and cars and house building and social engagements. Any of that sound familiar to anybody? Well, anyway, they were in worship less and less frequently, and then not at all. Then, after a two-year absence, what one bright Sunday after Christmas, Johnny was there again in church. Surprised to see him, I said, Johnny, what brought you to worship today? And he said, I woke up this morning feeling so good. So blessed, so alive, so created, I just had to say thank you. And this is the only place I could think of to say it adequately. I wanted to say thank you to God. I love that story because, as we all know, life can get busy and hard complicated, unfair sometimes too. And, you know, the last thing you want to do sometimes is just run around saying thank you all the time willy-nilly. But then there are times also when you are touched by that mysterious dynamic of grace and thanksgiving. You're touched by it. And you have to reconsider your own attitude to gratitude. So some of you may have heard of a woman named Corrie uh, Ten Boom, who was a Dutch Christian who wrote a lot of stuff about being a Christian in the Second World War. She and her, her sister Betsy had been harboring Jews in their home in Amsterdam, and one day, the Nazis found out about it, and they came and they raided the home, and they took Corey and her sister Betsy off to a Ravensbrück concentration camp. And once they arrived, they were placed with a bunch of other women in this totally cramped barrack, which was infested with fleas. Then one morning, as she was reading the Bible, Betsy came across this passage from 1 Thessalonians 5 where Paul writes, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And she said to her sister, "Corey, we've got to give thanks to God for all things. And that includes these barracks and even these fleas. Corey replied, no way, (laughs) there is no way on earth I'm going to give thanks to God for fleas. But Betsy took some time and she convinced her that that was the will of God and so that's what they did, they thanked God for fleas. And then during the months that followed until they were released, life in the rest of the camp was horrible, it was deteriorating like crazy. But in that barrack where the sisters lived, things were more or less tolerable. The guards left them alone, relatively free to do as they pleased. It was their only place of refuge in the whole camp. And they only figured out why years later. A Nazi guard came up and said that nobody ever wanted to go into that particular barrack. You know why? Because of the damn fleas. In other words, that infestation had become their salvation. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying fleas are great. I hate them. I realize that life doesn't always work out that way either. You know, bad things don't always turn out to be good things. I realize that. And expressing thanks is not always easy. You know, sometimes it's not even appropriate to be giving thanks for something that is really, really bad. But still... Most of the time, it's worth the effort. So when Paul says, be thankful in all things, don't hear that as a command, like God is going to smite you if you're not thankful for everything. That's not the point. It's just that the inclination to and the expression of gratitude itself can be a blessing. I mean, beyond the good it does for other people when you say thank you, it's good for your own soul, too. And along with your soul, medical research even shows that gratitude is the one emotional trait that's most beneficial to physical health and recovery. Grateful people tend to be happier, more satisfied with their lives, and they may live longer, too, for as one researcher put it, a grateful heart can give you a healthy heart. So, what does it take to cultivate an attitude of gratitude? Well, as with so many other worthwhile, important things in life, it takes practice. It starts with giving thanks for small stuff. Because the big stuff is easy, right? It's easy to have an attitude of gratitude, to say thank you, to be grateful, you know, when you are healed from leprosy, or your kid survives a car crash, or your house is still standing after a fire. That big stuff is kind of easy to be thankful for. But try being aware of and thankful for the small stuff in life. Annie Lamott writes, Gorgeous, amazing things come into our lives when we are paying attention. Mangoes, grand nieces, Bach, and ponds. This happens more often when we have as little expectation as possible. If you say, well, that's pretty much what I thought I'd see, you're in trouble. But astonishing revelations can appear in our lives all the time. So just let it be, for unto us so much is given. Just be ready and open for business. So, today, or later on today, or tonight, before you go to bed, be ready and open for the business of thanksgiving. Imagine that, like the Samaritan, you have fallen in thanksgiving at the feet of Jesus. Picture yourself there. And just list, write down if you want to, five things that you're grateful for. Sometimes it's hard to do that, but it takes practice and it's worth the effort. List five things. And in the morning, do the same thing. Imagine yourself at the feet of Jesus and give thanks for five things that you can think of. Make that part of your daily prayer this week. Practice being grateful. Give thanks to God for the small stuff that makes life worth living. Say thank you to someone else when they do something good or nice for you and see what a blessing it can be for them, for you, for God and for the whole world. Now, in closing, I want to share something that David Steindl-Rast wrote. I have used this before and shared it before with other groups and even with this church. Um, It's it's called A a Pledge for Grateful Living, and it's in your bulletin right after the text and where it says the sermon. David Steindl-Rast is probably, for the last 10, 20 years, one of the most famous advocates in the world for what he calls grateful living and the benefits. In fact, scientists and doctors are always talking to him as well about this. So let's read these words together as our collective prayer of thanksgiving to God this day in Jesus' name. Let's read together now. In thanksgiving for life, I pledge to overcome the illusion of entitlement, by reminding myself that everything is gift, and thus to live gratefully. In thanksgiving for life, I pledge to overcome my greed that confuses wants with needs, by trusting that enough for all our needs is given to us and to share generously what I so generously receive. In thanksgiving for life, I pledge to overcome apathy by waking up to the opportunities that a given moment offers me, and so to respond creatively to every situation. In thanksgiving for life, I pledge to overcome violence, all of which is rooted in fear, by observing that fighting violence by violence leads to more violence and death, and thus to foster life by acting nonviolently. In thanksgiving to life, I pledge to overcome fear by seeing in what I might otherwise fear the opportunity to cultivate courageous trust in life and so to lay the foundation for a peaceful future. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: On uh, my way.
0: please be seated or no stay remain standing sorry (laughs) Uh, please join me in the prayer of Thanksgiving blessed are you O God creator of all good things through your mercy and grace you have blessed us with so many amazing gifts with joy and Thanksgiving we dedicate our offerings and our lives to you again may our lives and our offerings be reflective of our lord jesus christ in whose name we pray amen
1: How many of you remember singing that when you were a little kid around Thanksgiving time in school? Yeah, I remember that so well. Don't get a chance to sing it here in church too often, so I'm glad we have that opportunity today. Brought back good good memories. Good memories for which I am thankful and grateful. So as you leave this place today, this sanctuary, this place of, of comfort, this place of challenge, take with you whatever it is that... God has given you, in sight, sound, feeling, sensibility, whatever it is that gives you a sense of God's grace, God's presence with you, all the time, go out and prepare to be grateful and practice giving thanksgiving, and as you do so, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be and abide with each and every one of you, both now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.